Hello, listener, and welcome to Straight Shot Health Talk. This is the podcast that provides honest and straightforward information about health, wellness, and how to survive our crazy healthcare system. This is for people who want to focus on getting well instead of just treating symptoms. Sound like you? Then let's get started. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Kukaro, and I have a very special guest with us today. This is Katie of the popular blog, wellnessmama.com, and she is an amazing person. She's a wife, mother of five, with a background in nutrition and journalism. And six years ago, she created Wellness Mama as a blog for health resources to help people with their health. It's got a lot of interesting details on there, and this should be a very interesting discussion today. Katie, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Kevin. I'm so excited to be here and to chat with you. All right. Can you tell us a little bit more of your background and what led you to create Wellness Mama? Yeah, it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to keep it pretty short. Uh, my my original background was in nutrition and journalism, and um, I had leaned more towards the journalism side, and um, I really had a passion for travel and wanting to kind of change the political climate in our country, and um, and hopefully also change some nutritional some of the nutritional climate based on um, being a journalist and, and reporting some of that, and um, graduated from school and actually had an offer for kind of my dream journalism career. Um, but around that time, someone else told me, another seasoned journalist, that there's no such thing as objective journalism and everybody works for somebody and that you're never going to make a change as a journalist. And um, I really did some soul searching and realized that if my goal really was to make changes, that probably wasn't how I was going to do it. So I um, turned down that job and in the process of a few years also um, got married and started having kids, which made any kind of job <laughs> like that more difficult anyway. Um but during that time, my interest in the nutrition side really grew. And for me, what kind of that lightning bolt moment was when my first child, my son, when he was six weeks old, um, you have to go back to the doctor for a follow-up appointment. And as in most doctor's offices, I was waiting for like an hour and a half before I saw the doctor. So I had read like pretty much every magazine in the waiting room. And I came across one, um, one article in a magazine and the sentence really struck me. It said, for the first time in two centuries, the current generation of Americans is going to have a shorter life expectancy than their parents. And it was just such a stark contrast looking at my like perfect tiny newborn and reading that his generation was going to suffer all these problems. It talked about the rise in, in um, cancer and heart disease and autoimmune diseases and diabetes and just everything. And that to me was kind of my lightning bolt moment that I realized that's not good enough. And if I can't change that as a journalist and if I can't change that working when the system that I'm going to change it on my own. Um, and so that's when I set off and decided I was going to blog about nutrition and health and make it as much of a practical resource for moms as I could, because I truly, truly believe that moms are going to be the ones that can make the change or moms and parents, because we are not only raising the next generation and have the ability to educate them and to shape them, but also we control the food budget and we just have much more of a vested interest in doing that and more of a motivation. So that's been kind of the evolution for me and wanting to just every day create as much of a practical, usable resource for other moms to help unite them on that cause. Now, that's fantastic. And that, that is so true. I, I completely agree, because if you really look at the data on what makes the largest impact on people's health and the way I kind of look at it is I looked at what was the risk factors and early childhood development is crucial 
And the way that we nurture and raise our children, and this even goes back to, you know, just when you're pregnant with them, the stress that you're undergoing, the lifestyle decisions that you make, the choices that you guide and the support that you provide them has long-term impacts on health. And uh, this has been, you know, documented over and over and over again. You know, kids that are coming from, you know, neglectful environments that they don't have good uh, resiliency skills, that they're not learning how to cope and deal with stressors. Uh, they just don't do as well. And that doesn't even go into the whole, you know, what we feed them and, what, you know, the lack of physical activity they have. So yeah, it's great to have you out there. Now, I will say, though, sometimes what we learn, and particularly in this day and age of media being everywhere and being bombarded all the time, what we're, we're kind of learn and then what is taught don't necessarily line up. And this can cause a lot of strain with, you know, strangers and particularly family sometimes if they don't necessarily agree with what you're, you're talking about. Have you had any of those moments thus far? I mean, with a large blog like yourself, I'm assuming that you must have had some people that, you know, go, what, what's your what's your motive behind this and, and uh, question what you're doing? Yeah, it's funny because uh, even this morning, I think I had a comment come through. Um, I had written a post about some of the healthy aspects of butter and how it's got butyrate that feeds beneficial gut bacteria and it has vitamin k if it's grass-fed and just different aspects of butter and um a commenter wrote and was like you must be getting paid by the dairy industry and it, it just it's funny like the different comments that blogging in general brings out and i think um i forget who said it but basically they the quote that if you have enemies good that means you're doing something because you're always going to have differing opinions but it is harder when it's family um or people that i know personally or um, my kids are at a birthday party and I um, I encourage them not to have cake and ice cream, which, you know, is such the social norm and they're at a birthday party and it, it, I know it can often seem rude to other people that they're not eating junk food at their house and um, that's a very tough road to, to navigate. And I think for me at the end of the day, it's just um, with my kids, especially it's about much more than just controlling the food that they eat or controlling their health. It's about teaching them mm-hmm. those, th- those aspects of health so that they can make those decisions. I think a lot of times we really undervalue how much kids can understand and make those decisions for themselves if we really enable them to. And so, um, like I, that's one of my big goals with the blog and with my kids also is not just me being the controlling mom all the time saying no, 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 this, no, that, um, but educating them why certain foods are really beneficial for your body and why certain foods may not be so beneficial for your body and how things like sugar can be harmful to your liver or harmful to your tissues, especially if you eat too much of it and, um, and letting them make those decisions. Because I realized as a parent, I can only physically control what I cook for them when they're in my house. Um, and one day they're going to be grown. And if I never enable them by educating them to make those decisions themselves, then I haven't really enabled them long term. And I think you're so right what you said, too, about um, both early childhood nutrition and environment and even, like you said, pregnancy and pre-pregnancy. And I think in this decade, we're going to see an explosion of research. It's already starting to come on epigenetics and how the pregnancy environment and the mother's pregnancy diet and her stress levels can literally cause cells to turn on and off in that child and how that sets their foundation for their lifelong health. So I'm really excited to see where the research is coming on on that. But I think that for those of us who already have kids, the, the goal has to be proper education and teaching them and enabling them to make those decisions. Um, but then also for my part, I'm, I want to change the culture, um, the food culture in the U.S. anyway, so they don't have to always fight that battle because it's a really tough world out there for trying to eat healthy right now, as I'm sure you know, too. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's very interesting when you kind of look at like the food industry in general and, you know, what they're doing with a lot of these snack foods and, and 
you know, they have scientists, you know, reams of scientists that are going through and making sure that the texture of the chip is just the right amount and the just perfect amount of salt and sugar that hits all those little receptors in the brain to really almost make us addicted to them. It's kind of shocking. But you touched on another big point for me was was epigenetics. And epigenetics is both, I think, the most exciting thing and one of the most terrifying things out there because it really kind of tells us that the decisions that we're making now for ourselves affect not only our children, but in a lot of ways our children's children. And for those of you that don't know about epigenetics, epigenetics makes basically is the affluence upon your genetic code. So we all have genes in our body, and then those genes are read in a different way. And when they're read, sometimes we put little snippets on them that says, don't read this or read more of this, okay? So what we found is how you... Uh, you know, what you eat, again, what your what stresses in your life, your physical activity, can turn on and off pieces of your genetic code. And then that gene- that will influence, you know, your offspring in a lot of ways. And I will link to an excellent video on this uh, in the show notes as well. It's by a guy named Hank Green. Have you seen that video, Hank Green? I've seen some of his work. I don't know if I've seen that specific video. But... Uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And so I'll, I'll link up to it in the show notes because it's a I think it's a very powerful understanding because the other part about that is, you know, with any sort of information that we have, folks, you can always take it as either, you know, a, a, a bad downside. So my big beef with genetics is people say, well, it's in my genes to be obese or it's in my genes to have diabetes. And no, genetics just implies a vulnerability. And epigenetics then tells us that we, through our lifestyle and behavioral choices, we can influence that genetic pattern that we have. And we can either make it worse, meaning we, we make it worse through diet, you know, poor diet and, and lack of exercise and uh, you know, bad adaptation with stress, or we can improve it by good, healthy decisions. So uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going off on tangent here, but you're touching on such great stuff. And this is why I'm so happy to have you on the show. Now, on our last episode, um, where I talked with you on your podcast, we talked quite a bit about health and stress, but from my perspective. And so I'm just kind of wondering, what are your perspectives regarding stress and health? Yeah, that's a good question. Stress is kind of my kryptonite because, um, I've always been like super, super, super type A. And so I think a lot of my health problems that I had to overcome myself, um, which for me is I have autoimmune um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis and I've had just various different digestive and autoimmune problems um, throughout my adult life that I'm thankfully they now all are in remission. But um, for me, the stress was definitely a catalyst into some of those because um, in high school and college and even after college, I was always so focused on whatever the goal was, whether it was, you know, maintaining a 4.0 or being valedictorian or whatever it was that um, I would neglect sleep and stress. And so I went through a period of time where I was sleeping, you know, three or four hours a night at the most and getting up at 5 a.m. for sports practices and in class all day and staying up till, you know, 12 or one or sometimes later doing homework and research papers and reading. And, um, I'm very much a perfectionist, but the the result of that is that I am pretty much constantly under a state of stress. And when I was younger, I didn't really worry about that because from what I could tell, I was handling it fine. I actually <laughs> felt like I thrived when I was under pressure and like the busier I was, the more I got done. And I kind of prided myself on that. And looking back, I realize now how immature that was. And I wish I could kind of go back and reverse that now. But I, um, I think I created the perfect breeding ground for people. In fact, I, I say that a lot. Like if you want to create autoimmune disease or you want to create health problems, make sure you're under a lot of stress and that you're eating junk food late at night and not sleeping. And I was doing all of that. Um, so stress has been my kryptonite. And I think that 
it's going to become a larger and larger problem in our society today and in ways we don't necessarily even realize because um, even if we're not mentally feeling stress, our, we can physiologically be seeing the impact of stress on our body. And it can be simple things like a poor sleep environment where we're exposed to different kinds of light or sound that mess with our melatonin production and that keep us from having restful sleep which is very much a physical stress on the body. And they've even done studies that those who don't get an adequate night's sleep, I think um, less than five hours was the study, are in a pre-diabetic state the next day. They have the blood sugar levels of a pre-diabetic or a diabetic just because their body's not optimally able to handle the, the normal inputs that it's getting. And um, whether it be that or just the constant interaction we have with media and never turning off and never engaging parasympathetic nervous system and just always being in a very go, 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 fast-paced world, we may not mentally be feeling that stress at all, but physiologically our bodies do, and they're not. our bodies aren't necessarily designed for all this fast-paced world that we've created for ourselves, especially when in a sense it's fast-paced but sedentary, so we're sitting all day, but under all this mental stress, and it's a lot for our body to handle. So I think those aspects of stress are going to come up more and more in the next few years because, um, I mean, we're seeing all these diseases, and just from a correlation perspective, obviously not a correlation doesn't always equal causation, but when you look at the levels of diseases that are rising and the, it's kind of inversely correlated to how little sleep we're getting, our sleep rates are going down and also just the amount of stress that Americans say they're under and that physiologically they're under. So I think stress is a very underestimated but very important part of health. And I, I hope that we continue to see research on that because I think if we don't start addressing that, it's going to have really, really dire consequences down the road. Yeah, no, again, I, I completely agree with you. And, and you brought up another really great point there. And, you know, I've had conversations with people, and particularly if you're talking to your doctor, people get really mad when you start bringing up stress because for some reason, people think that stress is just this mental thing that, oh, yeah, I'm stressed out and, and I'm, I'm tense, but that has nothing to do with the way that my belly pain is having or my other pain problem or the fact that I have diabetes or the fact that this is, you know, I'm not healing well or, you know, my skin condition. And, um, you know, for yourself, have you talked to anybody? Have you talked to any friends that just had physical problems and said, hey, you know what? Uh, have you looked at the stress in your life and how that affects your health? And have you had them? I, I'm just kind of curious, have been able to persuade them or at least can, you know, give them that information where they don't look at you like, what, you're, what are you talking about? Stress affecting my, you know, it has nothing to do with my, you know, my uh, bowel disease at all. Right. I think, yes, I have um, with both clients and um, with friends, but I think it's hard, like people, it's hard to make that connection because unlike food, which is very tangible and what we drink, which is very tangible and even the amount of sleep we get, which is a number that's tangible um, or exercise, which you can measure in duration or miles or whatever, um, stress is very hard to measure. And I feel like as humans, we have trouble. If we can't measure it, we have trouble defining it. And so I think it's, it's hard for people to make that connection that stress can cause that. And um, I found a lot of that is just showing the research of how stress can lead to gut permeability or stress can lead to um, raise cortisol levels at the wrong time of day and how it can increase your homocysteine. And I, there's so much research about stress. And so I think education is part of the key there. Um, and and then also for people, I, th I think the next wave of health is going to be personalization and people figuring out for themselves, like taking this great body of research that we now have and figuring out what for their specific case is the best thing. And so what seems to be the most beneficial for people is if if stress could be a cause or, or trying to convince them of that is just getting them to address that for a couple of weeks um, in whatever way they can do that, whether it's 
uh, you know, better exercise, better sleep, meditation, whatever their specific way of dealing with stress is, and just see if it makes a difference. Um, because a lot of times I think people find that it really does much more than they would think. And I know even for me, when I start seeing health problems crop back up and I know my diet's dialed in and I'm exercising, it almost always goes back to stress and then have to go um, dial it back in for me. But I think if, if you can get people to try reducing their stress for a little while, they start to make that connection themselves because it's not tangible and they have to feel it before they can really make that connection. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's delayed. So, you know, my, my big thing is you can get stressed out and it could be days later when you have the physical symptoms from it. it can also happen right away. But just speaking for myself, if I've been stressed out, I noticed about three, you know, anywhere from four to five days later, I start breaking out like a teenager. And uh, it you know, happens far enough after it that I'm going, God, what's going on? And it took me years, literally years to really figure out that it was because of a highly stressful event that may have been four or five days prior to that. Now, for yourself, was there, um, again, was, you know, because you were a type A person, you're, you know, sometimes I guess you're still a type A person, but you recognize that. Did you connect any sort of health effects early on with it, uh, with stress, or was it, or did you kind of come from the back roads and and start with the health concern, and then realize later on that stress was that that uh, foundation there? Yeah, unfortunately, I was um, already suffering from all the health problems and trying different solutions before I started addressing the stress, mainly because being so type A, I also um, I am pointing four fingers back at myself when I say we don't look at stress because it's not tangible. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wanted to go for what's the most tangible, like what can I do right this exact second? And so I would look at diet, I would look at supplements, I would look somewhat at sleep. That was another one that took me a while to get. Um, but I always brushed off as, as long as I could. I pretty much was in denial as long as I could. It's not stress. I love stress. <laughs> I thrive under stress. I'm getting so much done. I'm very productive. I'm not mentally stressed at all. And um, so that was, it took me a while because I didn't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. And then once I started addressing that, then I realized how important it was. Um, but yeah, I wish I had learned that earlier in life. Yeah, it's, that's, that's a tough one. Although I like, always do like to say is, you know, we do learn throughout our life. And so those past events that we've had really provide the foundation for where we are now. And you can, we can either use them as a learning experience and, you know, change the future for us, or we can just continue to repeat them if we don't really use them as that kind of, you know, past roadmap of what worked or didn't work. So... Um, now, Straight Shot Health is really about helping people to help themselves when it comes to health. This is a big, big deal for me is that I don't necessarily like the word entire empowerment, that, that patients take control in an active you know, role in their health rather than waiting for something else, someone else to do it for them. Uh, is there a particular health insight or one important key thing for you that, that you've learned so far that you'd share with the audience? Yeah, for me, it's kind of um, very much a holistic focus. And um, with the blog, I feel like everything, a a lot of these things coincide when you're switching to a healthier lifestyle. And so um, I know that especially for a lot of moms, one of the big objections I hear is I can't eat or live a certain lifestyle because it's more expensive. And so that's one thing I try to address a lot um, and help people with is it doesn't have to be more expensive if you're planning correctly. Um, But also just that we, in our lifestyle in general, we have to look at things as a holistic um, you know, as a whole environment, whole what we're eating and not just focus on one thing. Cause I think that's so easy to do, um, just to hone in on calories or just to hone in on whatever that particular focus is. Um, 
so I really encourage people to make those baby steps in every aspect of their life. So whether it be getting rid of toxic cleaning products and using homemade alternatives that are cheaper or getting rid of toxic beauty products and using homemade alternatives that are cheaper or getting rid of toxic fast food and using homemade alternatives that are cheaper and healthier. <laughs> um, so that's kind of my core going back to it with moms is just making that very practical for them. But I know as a mom that a lot of that is planning. And so that's where I um, that that makes the change for a lot of people is it can seem so overwhelming when you're jumping into this of all the things you think you need to try. And it's just like with anything, if we have a whole to-do list hanging over our heads constantly, it's hard to focus on anything because all your mental energy is so spread out. But if you can have a very specific plan and you know when you're going to implement steps and you know what you're going to cook and when, and you have like a regular routine for this, it becomes a lot easier and much more doable. And so that's what I really try to help moms do is to give to get that practical steps, figure out what's going to work for their family and then implement it with that plan so that you're not stressed out about when you're going to cook dinner or what you're going to cook for dinner or you know what you're going to use for XYZ or what you're going to use to clean your house and just making it very tangible. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's great. And uh, I just want to point out one thing here is Katie, how many kids do you have? I have 5. 5 and and what's the oldest? He's almost eight. Almost eight. So you have five children under the age of eight. And I just wanted to call that out because often we hear, I can't, you know, I can't, I don't have the time. I can't do it because of this. And, you know, Katie, I just think it's amazing that you are, you know, you have a mom of five. I have two children. Mine are now eight. Oh, no, I'm sorry, nine and 11. And they're still very, very busy and keep us, you know, running all the time. But I cannot even imagine what having five under the age of eight is. And the fact that you can not only organize and run a very, very big blog, and it's been your blog, you have tons of content on there. You have all, you know, fingers in all sorts of different things and different types of, uh, you know, posts are long, putting a lot of work into it and balancing that with, with raising children, which is, in, is, is crazy. And I like, if you can do it, there are virtually nobody else out there that cannot do that. And, and I, what I advise for people is when you are starting to say that word can't, is really what you should probably be doing is replace it with the word won't because mm -hmm. more often it's a choice that you're making. And that's okay. As I've said in, I think, previous episodes here, it is okay to say you won't do something. And just, you know, it just means it's not a priority at that time and it's okay. But as long as you're honest with yourself that it is a choice for you rather than being dishonest with this, I can't do something. You know, I, there are very, 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 very few things that we cannot do and we just tend to use that phrase, I can't, way, way too much and really not be honest with ourselves on that. So I wholeheartedly oh. agree. Yeah, I'm kind of hard nosed about that, too. But I say that a lot. If you if you're saying you can or you it's you're not making it a priority. And um, and I also tell people, you know, if it was you had to do this, like take these steps for your health or your child was going to die, then you would do it. But mm -hmm. really, that's what we're facing. If we don't take these steps for our health and our family's health that's the future for the next generations. And um, so I, I really, it's very much a mission for me. And I hope that it becomes a mission for many, many other moms because um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty dire future if we don't take responsibility for these things now. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, just to be positive is just to imagine what the future will be if we all, or at least a majority of us start focusing on this. I mean, we have so much potential in this day and age. If you look back in time, you know, uh, you know, my, my point from a medical standpoint is a large, a lot of the things that we've done in medicine have had great impacts on the realms of like infectious disease, you know, bacteria and viruses and things like that. 
trauma, so people getting hit by cars or having something cut off. We're very, very good at this. And we're at this cusp now where we can take these things that were killing us in the past and are no longer a big issue, and it comes down to diet, lifestyle, behavioral choices that we make, and a sense of well-being. And if we can really harness this, if we can start you know, using this, this information that we have, that's the other great thing that we have this day and age is this internet, and we talk about it you know, it is too much, but if, if we use the internet as a tool to learn from and to provide us information to grow ourselves and live better lives and take control of our health, we have huge potential out there, which I think is incredibly exciting. And so, yes, we, we have to worry about all the bad stuff, which is, which is definitely, there's a lot of bad stuff out there. And if we don't change things, that future is pretty dire. But if we do choose, choose to change and if we do and you know encourage our families to change and raise our children in a way that allows them to have support yet you know fall down and, and uh, skin their knees at times when they're little, the future is going to be amazingly bright as well. I, I, yeah, absolutely agree. I think you're so right with all the advances we're seeing right now in medicine and everything else, if we can take these steps and, and focus on the health for, for the future, then I think it's extremely bright. you're so right. All right. Well, Katie, I I wanted to say thank you so much for joining us today. I like to keep these episodes under 30 minutes because I know people are very busy and trying to do things in in their own lives. And we covered a lot of great information here. And thank you so much for providing your perspective. Uh, Just two real quick things here. Besides your own blog, what other or what is the other best health resources that you found that you would recommend for others? Uh, a couple blogs that I love um, for other moms. There's a blog called Mommy Potamus, and she's also got very practical tips for improving health. Um, if people are kind of geeky like me and like the science side, um, chriscresser.com, he's got a lot of good research on the health and nutrition and environment and sleep, and he addresses a lot of that. Um, and probably my favorite book for me is called Deep Nutrition by Dr. Katherine Shanahan, and she really delves into traditional cultures and traditional food and how they structured their diet and their environment um, and what what key things we're missing in our diet now. So those are just three that I love off the top of my head. Fantastic. And I will link those up in the show notes there. And lastly, where can people find you? Uh, the kind of home base is wellnessmama.com. It's M-A-M-A. And uh, all the links to social media are on there. And as you mentioned already, I also have a podcast, which is just the Wellness Mama podcast. And uh, we do weekly episodes geared towards moms and families and helping them improve health. And I would love to see them on any of those. Fantastic. All right, Katie, thank you so much for joining us today. And for everybody out there, I hope you got some good value out of this. I hope you you know, really listen to the fact that if someone with five children under the age of eight can take control of their health, then anyone can. And also just to recognize, again, this role of stress. I, I've been returning to this over and over again because it is a, very important to me. Uh, we've talked about in episode 19, we've talked about some of the other ideas behind it, priority management, um, you know, locus and control and things. And we're going to touch on it again in the future because I do think it's really important. But until the next time, everybody, stay well. Thanks. Thanks.